Redefined is hosted by me, Zainab Salbi, and brought to you by Find Center, a search engine for your soul. Part library, part temple, Find Center presents a world of wisdom, organized. Check it out today at www.findcenter.com and please subscribe to Redefined for free on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. What's most important about life? What is the essence of life? Is it what we do? How much we earn? How many social media followers we have? Or is it, do we live our lives in kindness to ourselves and to others? Do we live our lives in love to ourselves and to others? In nearly losing my life, I was confronted with these questions, and it led me to the conversations that make up Redefined about how we draw our inner maps and the pursuit of meaningful personal change. For me, there have been many moments when the world of spirituality feels overwhelming. Too many teachers, too many holy prayers, thousands of kind of meditation. It sometimes feels like I could never have the time to practice all the spiritual teachings in order to reach inner peace. Of course, this is the exact opposite of how our spiritual practice should make us feel. Today's guest, Daniel Report, is a Canadian author, teacher, and self-made leader of her own heart-centered empire. Millions of people visit her platform every month. To me, Danielle has a special gift of making others feel less alone in their most vulnerable moments by anchoring her teachings in everyday reality. She's practical, she is real, and she is funny. She shows that simplicity and heart-centered attitude about life paves the smoothest path to spiritual and mental health and well-being. Today, I converse with Danielle about the ups and downs of her life journey and all that it entails. The time she felt like an outsider, the time she felt that she got it all wrong, or the time she felt she was living as an imposter. We'll find out what she did to trust her voice, open her heart, and follow her passion that eventually helped so many individuals and businesses lead a heart-centered life. I find Danielle's story and her approach to be refreshing, luminous, and grounded on the messiness of being human in this fast-moving world. Join me. Welcome. I've been following you for a while now, actually, and constantly inspired by your sharing. And I've got to say that the one sharing that I don't know anybody else who has done it except me was to let go of most of the things you own, which you have apparently done recently. So, but I was feeling awkward for a long time until I heard you saying you did the same. I was like, thank you, God, someone else (laughs) understand the process. So can you please tell us about the process of how you went about it? And why did you decide to let go of the, you know, uh, lighten up your load physically? Mm. It's interesting talking about it now, because there's this, there's this line where, you know, it feels like 
it feels clean and natural and useful to talk about it. And then I can also, sometimes I feel my ego creeping in of just like, Hey, I let go of all of my stuff and look how cool that is. So that's kind of like the new phase in it. But over the last two years, I've let go of probably 70% of my things. I moved out of like this great big old house and I live in a really crappy building (laughs) by the beach um, that we made beautiful. And uh, like almost everything went. And it's not just like stuff I didn't need. Cause like how many wine glasses do you need? You don't even need the wine glasses. You just need, you need a glass. You just need a vessel. Well, I've got to tell you, I mean, I, I'm grateful for that ego or no ego. I'm really grateful because I felt lonely in doing it. Mm. So thank you for that. But you also talk about lightening up the load emotionally, right? Like forgiveness, empty the space in our hearts. Can you talk about how did you come to that process? I decided to stop gorging on spiritual material. I went on, I'm pretty, I'm still on this fast of like, it's, it was just like, it was another book. It was another esoteric teaching. It was, I need to know know more about all of it. And I realized it was actually making me anxious, like really, truly contributing to like legit anxiety that I wasn't evolved enough that this was I needed to cut cords. This was too soiled. I was bringing this energy in. I needed to do all these things before sleep and all this. And yes, there are principles and practices and, but enough, like enough. And it was all in conflict with what I know to be true. I mean, anybody listening to this knows to be true. Like the light is within nobody, nobody. I mean, I'm sure you've had so many teachers in your own life. Like real teachers, high caliber sages, like people who can heal. It's still up to you. It's still up to you. It's like, you can have so many impeccable gifted oracles. You still got to make the final call. It's so true. I want to ask, how did you start your spiritual journey? Like, how did that start? Mm. My mom got knocked up in high school. So she had, she had to quit high school to have me. So really young. And I feel like I came in on a mission. And that is having young parents and a mom who was like, my mom was reading Wayne Dyer, bioenergetics, like when Wayne still had some hair, you know, and, and my dad was a hockey player and they were young. And there was like, you know, like it was the seventies and smoking weed and being an only child and feeling like always on the outside. And that's it. That's it. And then, you know, 15, I get, you get your first copy of you can heal your life by Louise. Hay. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, my bladder infection means that I'm pissed off. And it's just like, and the <laughs> wow. next thing, and then, fifty, yeah. you know, and then it's, then you course in miracles. And, and I mean, you can already hear that pattern of like more consume, consume, consume um, to now. It's just, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm living in reverse of I'm doing less it used to be if I seven days in a week, I'll do seven different meditations. Now it's just like, you know what? I'm going to do one short practice every day for many months. That's it. 
and I'm going to get rid of some books. You know, I'm curious about the journey that took you out of Canada to America. You actually lived in a place I used to live in, in Arlington, Virginia. You know, you worked at the body shop, you run a nonprofit, you know, you, and then you left that and came back to Canada and started this path, which is at that time probably was ahead of your time, you know, in, in that spiritual path. And now it's, it's a, it's a need for a lot of people. How? How did you do that? Why did you decide to go there? And, you know, and, and part of me, as I read your story and I read your teachings, I, I hear a woman who is confident and knowing of her voice. You know, I always encounter so many women, including me at times, that, you know, we doubt our voices. You know, we doubt our magic. We doubt our um, opinion, you know, so many women. And you're like confident because it's not now that you're confident to start a career in something that is ahead of itself and to be out there is someone who knows her voice, which is beautiful. The question I have is, how did you come to that clarity? Did you have perhaps your mom who first believed in your voice or someone else, but how did you come to that clarity? And I ask that for all the, those who are doubting their voice, you know, and a lot a lot, you know, of like, how do you come to that clarity? This is my voice. This is the path I'm going to go about and I'm going to shape it and pave it the way I want to pave it. Hmm. Oh, I had a lot of cool teachers, but it, I wasn't as confident as I looked. Hmm. So I was just using the tool that I was given. I definitely went through, especially in that time of Washington, D.C. and Arlington, went through big imposter complex. So, you know, running a think tank, future studies, never, I graduated from high school. I never went to university. I never went to college. Every week in DC, somebody was asking me what my alma mater was. I didn't even know what that meant. And do you know what? I wanted to work for you. This is why I've been so excited. Oh to my God. Today. <laughs> I tell you, like there was, I was thinking about it this morning. It's like, there is this, there was a choice point that involved you. Wow. And I was in, well, I was living, I was working in Arlington. Um, think tank all dedicated towards scenario planning. And it was, it was cool and weird and going to the white house and the Pentagon and all that stuff. And, and then I came across women for women and I was like, she's here. They're here. And I loved everything. And I just thought, and you know what? I didn't feel good enough for you. Oh, I thought I'm going to, I need a degree. I need to go to university. I need international studies. And I loved your style. And I didn't even know the, the women you were serving in different countries. I didn't even know where they were. And I just like, if this whole think tank goes bust, I'm going to work for them. Wow. And, you know, life took me on a different path, but like you were my sacred number two. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. First of all, yeah. we were living next to each other. I was in Alexandria for the longest time and that's where Woman for Woman was based at. And then, but here, like I started, you know, here we are meeting at, at this point, you know, where we are both in that journey of our lives, you know, so beautiful. And, you know, I got to tell you, I sat with Woman for Woman with no experience whatsoever. Like I had no, I, I was going to college as I was studying women for women. Like, so no experience, never, you know, I worked 
no, at the limited, you know. <laughs> yeah, as a bartender, yeah. And a Hallmark <laughs> store and, you know, all of that. And I just, but I had the belief and the, and the desire and I just went there about it, you know, but so you would have been in good companionship, basically, you know, all of us like, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just doing it, you know. So then, but then you had a clarity. Did you have a clarity that this is the path that I want to uh, craft for myself after you left DC and went to Canada? No, oh. making it, making it up. I thought when I came back to Canada, well, first of all, I thought I'd never leave the States, lots of glamour in the States and all of that. And got back to Canada, realized it was one of the best decisions I'd made in my life was to be back here. And I got into I got into like style and branding. And then there was an, you know, a close drive by with Oprah. And I used that opportunity to raise some money, but there was always this through line of like, I want to be of service. This has got to be soulful. I got fired from my own company. I got Steve jobbed after we raised all this money. And um, yeah, I had my own lawyer call me and say, like, give us back your office chair and your Blackberry. <laughs> That was a good, I wasn't a, I wouldn't say that's a dark night of the soul. I think the term dark night of the soul is like way overused. That was a rough patch. And then, you know, out of that fire, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be Danielle and I'm going to use Helvetica font and I'm going to talk about consciousness. I thought I was still going to talk about fashion and um, family and it was mostly talked about spirituality and entrepreneurship. And I just made it up. I made up what I had to offer. Not that I was faking it, but I just like, okay, I have something to say about this. And I feel like a seeker and I know how to hustle online. And how can I help you grow a heart-centered business? Let's talk. And that was my shingle. And that turned into a book and so on and so on. And here I am. And one thing that's worked really well for me is... I just share what I've been learning along the way. So I made a commitment really early on because I tried this of like, hey, let me tell you about somebody else's teaching. And I can be deeply steeped and I can be very articulate about it, but it's not, it's not necessarily what I actually went through. So it's better for all of us if I talk about what I went through. And I'm really as transparent as possible about that. It's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful because you're just saying, show up in your life, show up however you know how to show up. You know, it's not even fake it until you make it. It's more like show up and the showing up means I don't know some things and I know some things, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I'm going to talk about the, what I don't, what I do know about, and I'm going to learn about what I don't know about. That's what I'm hearing. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong in here. I'm pretty sure the Buddha said that. I know some things and I don't know some things. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who tells you I know it all, run, run, run away yes. fast, you well, know. <laughs> if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then you went into, into that world. And as I mentioned, at the beginning of our conversation inspired many, including me and my friends. But you also, I, what I really love is that you're saying, don't be rigid. In your, in your spirituality. Don't be mm -hmm. very rigid about that, you know? And mm -hmm. it's so interesting because a lot of people escape from religion because of its rigidity, and then they go into spirituality and then they become rigid also. Can you talk more about that and the f phenomena that you're seeing around? 
I talk a lot about not being rigid because I actually have an underlying rigidity to my spirituality. So it's like, you know, I can talk about having a, you know, a middle of a divorce and I'm having a green smoothie and smoking a Marlboro at the same time. <laughs> and there's God in both of those, but beneath that, and this has really been the battle, literally an internal battle the last couple of years has been this rigidity of, am I spiritual enough? Am I practicing enough and deeply enough? Is my spiritual commitment rigorous enough? And do I know enough esoterica? Am I willing, am I willing to suffer on behalf of the collective and transmute that suffering? And it's been very intense. And I'm at a place, I wouldn't say I'm firmly in it, but I feel like I've entered the mansion of acceptance in that it's all God. I've recently come across this concept called Swadharma. So Dharma being your path, Swadharma meaning your very particular path. So, you know, my struggle would be, um, you know, am I spiritual enough? Am I practicing enough? And then um, I would, I would just rake all of my own wants and desires over like this internal coal set of, should I want to be in partnership? Is that holy enough? Should I want to be an entrepreneur? Is that holy enough? And the thing is, I am built for partnership. I am built for entrepreneurship. I am built to speak. Why would life design me any, you know, what, it would actually be sacrilegious to, to hire self to not be that. And so now I'm just like, here I am. Now I'm just like, nah, all of that, all of that. Should I be a nun? <laughs> Should I give it all up? And I'm just like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to chill. <laughs> and um, I'm going to love what I love. And some days I feel so tiny and insignificant. And um, I fear how many other lifetimes am I going to have to live to get it right? What will, what will life ask of me? If I give my life to love, to Christ consciousness, to humanity, what, what's life going to ask of me? And will I be able to deliver? And I just recently got like, I've come to the conclusion so far, so good. <laughs> like, you know, something has always caught me, even in the worst, the worst, the worst, you know, the, the truly dark night, something was breathing me. And if it had me yesterday, it will have me tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So beautiful. You know, I, I mean, I'm tearing up as I reflect on what you're saying, because I learned to trust life, like life always works somehow, you know, it got me as well, Danielle, you know, it's like, so it works somehow, some way, it just has this magic and it's, you know, miracles or whatever it is, honestly, and it works, right? So to trust life and not, and to let go of that doubt. You also remind me as you were speaking at the earlier part of what you're sharing 
I have an indigenous friend from Canada. I actually go to Canada once a year and stay with the Anishinaabe tribe over there, nation. And I'm they're my friends, but I also learned a lot. And one time, my friend who is a, the elder there, and she said, Zainab, if you have a wing, like if you're an angel wing, how would that look like? And I was like, you know, it was the beginning of my own spiritual curiosity and seeking. Um, and I was like, it's going to be colorful. And it's all, you know, red and yellow and like a rainbow colors. And the wings would be huge and beautiful. How, how about your wings? And she said, mine. Mine will be like full of smoke from my ashes, from my cigarettes and some old kind of Pepsi on it because I love Pepsi so much and some chocolate, melted chocolate all over. That's how my wing's going to (laughs) be. And it was such a beautiful story, you know, living in the enlightenment or living in the seeking this, you know is mess it's real you know there's chocolate melted chocolate and some cigarette and pepsi and whatever it is i mean whatever your habit is i'm I'm not judging at the moment you know and yet she's one of the most powerful souls i know and you know i think the carry on from that is the medicine is in every day and the messages that are everywhere are actually coming from you and spirit but it's it's not like you know i feel like in my 30s it was i was always looking for a sign and thinking the sign was coming from something more powerful than me something more knowing than me and yes it is i mean there's something greater but it's like you know now even when i i do anything kind of like i pull a card which i do all that oracle stuff way less than i used to you know like now when i do a speaking gig i stand up and i say all right, let's pretend this is an AA meeting. My name is Danielle and the whole, you know, everybody in the crowd will go, hello, Danielle. I'm like, all right, my name is Danielle. And it has been 24 months since I've had an astrology reading. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like when Brilliant. I do, when I do anything uh, Oracle, like I say, I'm open to receiving my wisdom through this. Not that there's some other force outside of myself that's going to show me the right card. It's just, it's just, I need a little extra lens today. These cards are going to be my glasses today. And on a good day, I don't need the cards. I got it. My heart tells me. It's beautiful. So let's talk about the heart. And I love (laughs) heart-centered. I'm curious about how, what was your journey that's, helped you arrive to your heart center and as a result what is heart centered uh that that you stand for the center heart centered programs has centered businesses has centered world that you advocate for i would say my before and after is before bold after gentle bold's great but bold without gentle is uh, not sustainable. It's pretty shadowy. It says, you know, it's a lot. Look at me. And, um, you know, lots of traditional challenges like divorce and some health stuff and all that and some, you know, career bumps. But really my for real dark night. Like I would have said all of those, Oh my God, dark night of the soul. Oh my God. No. <laughs> and then you really get initiated. You get in it and you go, Oh, 
this is what St. John of the Cross was talking about. Like, this is it where it really, I want to do more exploration around this, but maybe I won't since I don't do research anymore, but it's really a, a dissolution of your identity. And what I've learned that, you know, this true line with all mystics is they do talk about this place where you don't know who you are anymore. You do question creation, God, all of it. You def- you have no idea who you're going to be on the other side of it. And then recently I came across this story of Christ's crucifixion and it's a kind of the sequencing and you know, there is that moment where he's on the cross and he says, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. And his death came very shortly after. And then before his enlightenment and his ascension, you know, his ascension, total darkness and blackness, nothingness, the void, annihilation, and then the light. Then, you know, that's where all that imagery of the dove comes in and the light from above and within. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not enlightened, but there is a commonality, whether you are a master or just, you know, just one of us, where you don't, do not know who you are anymore. And then you find out who you really are. And I found out that I love people. I had a story that I didn't. I had a story that, you know, I'm an introvert. And um, just to, and a lot of fake it to make it things. And then really deep stories like I need to earn my worth with life. And I just use spirituality as another metric, like, all the things I mentioned earlier, am I going to pray enough, meditate enough, 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 enough. Let me get the mala beads. Let me get this. And I'm going to earn my way into good karma. And that is so counter to what anybody who's been through a dark night will tell you now. They're just like, guess what? You're, you are the beloved, no matter what. And I could never get it. I never got it. But now I get it. It's like, it doesn't, God, do you think God really cares if I clocked 34 minutes meditating that day? Or if I go years without it? You think, no. I mean, this is the same force that made like the ocean and the sun. I'm okay. And if I can just be in that place, I can relax and then I feel the light and I can be more fun to hang out with. I can be a better friend and a better mom and partner, all those things, better leader. Isn't it what we're here for? I mean, that's what I mean when I say like how many lifetimes till we get it. Mm-hmm. Do I got to do a hundred more trips in this Babylon that we're in right now to just love? For me, I only understood that I am loved and I'm safe <laughs> two years ago, ironically. <laughs> and and it was it came from a physical place, not even from a spiritual place. You know, I I I was um 
in a very vulnerable place in my health. And a friend said, go to my home, go and take care of yourself and go to nature until you figure out your life. And I entered his home and there was this basket of fruits. He had filled it up for me, you know, to wait for me. And I just looked at it. And it's like <sighs> symbolic, right? It's like, you know, like they're always going to be people. There are always going to be people who are loving you, who are caring for you. And I just like looked at these fruits and then just sobbed. And it was my first time. I was like, oh my God, I'm loved. I am loved. And I kept that feeling, you know, I like did not let go. And it came from a human, <laughs> you know, and then, but then I was able to incorporate it into myself, you know, um, the I am loved, you know, uh, I was able to accept it and be kind to myself. And it was just a very simple example of just show, someone else showing up in a dark it's always moment. that. Yeah. I, I was on a retreat once where this couple ran me through something. It's called Pancha Karma, where he's just cleansing. And one of the, one of the phases of it, the elements is you kind of end this day with this bath and you know, you're all naked and greased up and everything. And uh, the woman's name was Sophia and she hands me these oils and end the, the day with this bathing ritual. And I get moved when I think about it. She washed my hair for me. And I, w I went to, you know, she has this beautiful pewter picture, picture of water. And I went to take it from, her. I thought she was handing it to me. And she said, no, you do enough. And it was just like, that's all I needed to hear was some other human say to me, you do enough. And it was one of the, having my hair washed. It was my bowl of fruit. <laughs> no, isn't that yeah. amazing? Because I mean, we're always looking for a miracle or a magic or whatever, like some, and yet it is right there in front of us, a kind act by another human. And it's just like, boom. It's right there. And we can be that kind act for others or others can be that kind act for us. It's like, a, as you say, as you said at the beginning, it's that, that play with each, like that presence with each other. That's the healing there. That's what I'm hearing uh, from you. Um, I have a few more um, questions because, I mean, you balance between, you have some, you know, you know, well, let me actually, before that I go into like, because we are living in a time of anxiety. A lot of people are having anxiety. A lot of kids are having anxiety. I worry about them. And yet you say anxiety is gentleness training. Tell uh -huh. me more about that. Uh, How do we that get That is first-hand experience. Mm. So in my darkest time, I started having panic attacks. Had no relationship, no cognitive relationship prior to that with anxiety. And I was you know, I had my psychologist on speed dial and she said, Danielle, you're having panic attacks. And I was like, what? I've never even been an anxious person. I never, I'd experienced people having panic attacks in front of me and felt like incredible sympathy. But and she said, Danielle, you have probably had low grade anxiety that you have been managing very well your whole life. And that was how I realized I was a workaholic I was addicted to my day planner. Like I actually made day planners part of my business. Like I have a day planner system. Sometimes I just sit and I would just like, I would just hold my planner like a little whoopee. And, <laughs> and I realized 
she's right. I'd been managing this. Am I enough? How do I perform? How do I get in this all the time? And finally, there was no more managing. It just had to implode. And the way through was gentleness every day. And my observation is with myself and other people, when you are like really losing it and crumbling, you want the big answer. You want the guru to come. You want the tincture. You want the thing. And when somebody who loves you tells you, why don't you take a bath? Why don't you just come and stay at my house this weekend? You just want to say, suck it. This is not the answer. Like are you, I need something way more dramatic. I can hardly breathe, but those are the answers. So I learned to walk in the woods. I learned my list was no longer about like crushing it. My list was, I'm going to text a friend today. I'm going to lie on my living room floor and I'm going to do, I'm going to actively do nothing. And so I think everything is gentleness training. I think the, the crunch that we're in on the planet right now, this extreme polarization that is killing our spirit, that is making our bodies ache, that is creating, you know, psychological damage on our children is all a call for gentleness. I think it's, it's the, it's the global medicine. I think the divine is saying, I gave you this chance and that chance and that chance, or let me rephrase that. I don't think it's about chances. It's like opportunities. And we, we still in all the world health situation. And, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to pay attention to like global disaster migration, climate change migration. These are all, this is a call to be gentle with, you know, I need to be gentle with the choices I seem to be in opposition with. Otherwise, it's just more war within and war without. And, and I'm really getting this year that big teaching of as within, so without. I've really pulled back on judgment. I've really gone on a judgment um, retreat because there's a battlefield within me. And I got to look at my own arrogance and my shame and my greed and how I neglect the mother. And if I can do that, and this is really, really important for anybody who's listening, if you care, this is important. All of that being conscious of those things is not just an audit to see where you are unevolved and how far you have to go. It's to love those things. And that's where the healing is. I see my greed. I see where I can be, be manipulative. I see my shame and I bring it in to my heart and say, I have space for you. I made you. Dear fear, dear neuroses, you are of my making. You're my little babies. I'm not going to leave you on the porch because, you know, if I carry you around, I'm a loser. I'm going to bring you in because I'm vast. I am capable. I am love itself. Something is holding me. Something has me and I'm going to have all my little baby creations and I'm going to have all my relationships and I bring my darkness in with light now and, uh, 
it's, it's making a difference. That's so beautiful. What I'm hearing is that in order to be gentle to others or to earth, which is much, much, much needed things right now, we have to learn to be gentle to ourselves. And as a matter of fact, we can't be gentle to others and to earth if we are not kind and gentle to ourselves. And, and that that's how, and, and then ourselves include the dark sides and the good side. You know, just bring it all in, love it all in. And that's how you calm it, actually. That's what I learned. So I thank you for that. And I have some rapid questions for you. Okay. Which is, uh, who are the people who have influenced you, influenced your spiritual teachings the most, best teachers that you have read or studied? Yep. Pema Chodron, favorite Buddhist nun, very accessible, clean teaching. Eckhart, for sure. Not as accessible, but so plain in a way. Marianne, Marianne Williamson, very kind of walk her talk. I love Michael Beckwith, uh, Yogananda. And my most recent like teacher I just really cherish is Adyashanti. And Adyashanti is just this. He's a dude from California who had, you know, deep Zen practitioner. He's in his 50s, 60s now. And he speaks about wholeness. Like, you know, he's had all these. This is where I really fell in love with him. And just like all of these enlightened, enlightening experiences, experience of oneness and is beyond words and comes back and says, I I still have a wife and this is still a table and the spiritual, you know, the new age quip is sort of like non-dualism is uh, we're all one. And he's like, no, non-dualism is we're one and we're separate. Like, Oh my God, genius. So those are my friends. Those are my, my spiritual fangirling moments. Yeah. Okay. Next one. I'm going to check him out. Uh, Favorite movies. That you go oh. to to lift your spirit or for solos or anything. Oh, the piano. <gasps> Love it. Mm, such a story of liberation. Uh, two movies, uh, sequels. One is Wings of Desire, Vim Vender's film, and Far Away So Close, all about angels deciding whether or not to be human, give up their immortality. Oh, I love that movie. My favorite recent movie in English they've translated it to be another round and in Denmark it's called drunk and it's with Mads Mikkelsen and it's and he's so hot (laughs) it's a bunch of male high school teachers who intend to keep their blood level at whatever legal drunkness is and what they learn it's brilliant it's a very sexy film too very good sexy is good uh songs that you go always to to Mm. Uh, for f- to trigger whatever emotions you need to trigger i've been listening a lot to leanne rhymes's album chant it's beautiful um i dance a lot to any and all florence and the machine i love her yeah she is i've seen her in concert too she love is just her. all goddess beautiful chorus to just chill and be in the heart center yeah and last but not least, your favorite books. My favorite that, books. Uh, books that you always go to, whether they're poems or whether they are yeah. like something that you always go back to. Rumi, Hafiz, Leonard Cohen, A Course in Miracles, 
It's not a book. It's really a way of life. Emptiness Dancing by Adya Shanti. A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And Start Where You Are by Pema Chodron. Beautiful. And on that note, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored. And I am, my heart is yours. However I can serve. Thank you. I got so many bowls of fruit for you. That was Danielle Report. For full transcripts of this episode, please visit www.findcenter.com. Do remember to subscribe to this podcast, please. It's free and I really would welcome your comments on it. You can also follow us on Instagram at find underscore center. To learn more about Danielle's work, please visit www.daniellereport.com and follow her on Instagram at Report. I know you will enjoy it as much as I do. Redefine is produced by me, Zainab Salvi, along with Rob Corso, Casey Khan, and Howie Khan at Freetime Media. Our music is by John Palmer. Special thanks to Neil Goldman, Carolyn Pincus, and Shara Johnston. See you next week when we'll be talking about the power of prayers.